I'm Andre. And I'm Richard. And this is Rugby Deconstructed. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Rugby Deconstructed. Uh, with me tonight, I've got Richard and Angus from Cape Town. We will be discussing Varsity Cup. Uh, both uh, the chaps that I have on the line with me this evening are fundies of the, the game, uh, specifically Varsity Cup. And they hopefully will be able to enlighten us with uh, a whole bunch of uh, knowledge about the, the Varsity Cup game. First of all, Angus, how are you doing? And welcome to the, your first uh, visit to the show. Uh, hi, Andre. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. It's good to be here. Okay. Richard? <clears throat> How's it, Andre? Good to be back. Yeah. Uh, being, as here, I hear Snoopy's uh, stressing a little bit there, being locked up. Yeah. You know what? I think the, the thunderstorms we had yesterday in Gauteng um, got to the dogs a bit. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's chill. I think getting into new hobbies. Um, been doing a few online quizzes, sports quizzes, the last week, and uh, decided to to try a few myself, uh, or to construct a few myself. So we're still keeping busy on this side. Uh, two more weeks, and uh, we're yeah. done with it. Yeah, let's hope so. All right, Varsity yes. Cup. Angus, uh, give us a give us a little bit of brief history there, from because uh, I know you're an avid follower there and a big Marty supporter. So if you can give us just a little rundown of the of Varsity Cup, how did it come about? Uh, why do you support Marty's and and a little bit of a history of the tournament? Basically, um, as far as I know, Francois Pino, the founder, when the competition students can participate in the competition and still be full-time students as well. Um, basically, they have to, I think, have a 60% pass mark or 50% pass mark in order to participate. So, practically, if you don't do well in ac academics, you still have, you can't play for your team, your varsity team. So, yeah, it's a good thing. So, it kind of preps, you know, students for the future. Um, so, they don't actually solely focus on rugby itself. Um, found it in 2008. Um, my boys, the Martis, won it in 08 or 09, 2010. Went through eight-year drought, obviously, and then won it in 2018 again. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good competition, I feel. Um, just for for development, obviously, and um, just giving maybe the late bloom a bit of an opportunity to maybe make a step up. You know, some guys that have been, um, for instance, Craig Barry's, for example, who has been a junior at Western Province, and apparently the next big thing when he was a lighty, and then he sort of lost his way and got injured, and um, just before the junior, I think it was in 2012, the junior World Cup, yeah, and then he got replaced by Darren late. So um, he kind of lost his way in, in the in the rugby world and been in the wilderness for a while, and then Varsity Cup gave him a lifeline, and it's season back at the Cheetahs now, you know, playing professional rugby again. So it's a good thing for for like, like I said, the late bloomer or someone who wants to make a, a sort of a comeback. So yeah, that's pretty much my view on it. Yeah, uh, Richard, uh, you want to add something there to uh, as part of the introduction? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think I was in a very fortunate position that. Um, my first day as a as a first year going to class at uh, Stellenbosch was also the, the 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 first games being played in the Varsity Cup the same day. I still remember good fourth uh, of February two thousand and eight, um, and Martys and Tux played the opening game at uh, at Donny Craven, 
Um, actually, interestingly enough, that uh, the Varsity Cup also, as what Super Rugby had a precursor, the Super 10, it had a precursor competition as well called the FNB Super Bowl that was played at a um, at, at a at one um, at one ground every year as a round robin competition with a, a knockout and a and a and a and a final for a few years building up. At that stage, it was about four universities, uh, I think five at one point that that competed in that, and Varsity Cup extended it up to the eight team format, uh, round robin in uh, 2008 into the competition we have today. All right. Um, progressing in the, with what we're going to discuss tonight. So the first thing I want to discuss in the, the early stages of the competition, you know, the, they played normal rules. They, the, the rules have changed for Varsity Cup over the years. And um, it's a bit of a two-part question that I'm posing to, you, to the two of you. The first part is the eligibility of the learners, where it was pretty much uh, players in the system in those original uh, few, first few years before they brought in some uh, regulations regarding the players, as Angus pointed out earlier. And then the second thing is the trialing of different laws and uh, the 10-point try and, uh, and the manipulation of uh, points, uh, depending where you, uh, where you started your your, your uh, to start the, you started the move from. So what I want to know is, are you in favor of these uh, regulations and law changes that they've brought to the game? And uh, how do you think it's impacted the, the development of the player and how has it impacted the, the, the view of, the, say, the non-student who wants to sit down on a Monday night and watch some rugby? Angus, I'll start with you. Well, they actually had a nine-point try and the seven-pointer. Um, the seven-pointer still applies, not a ten-pointer, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm not too much in favor of it, to be honest. I mean, I'm a bit old-school, traditional, and um, it's probably good to have innovations. And the whole concept of a seven-pointer or nine-pointer was um, to encourage running rugby, which I have no obligation with, obviously. But in saying that, um, you, you kind of create this false sense of what rugby should be about when you go professional. And I, I know it's about the entertainment students. They don't want to see a kicking contest yeah, like, like a, a World Cup thing where the scrum of um, ball kicks every every third rock or anything like that. So I get the entertainment part of it, but overall, I don't feel it's a good thing to to have these innovations. Some of them were actually good, like the white card rule they had. We we had the captain who can contest the referee's decision by saying, "Listen, uh, we feel there was an obstruction in the lead up to that try, or there was a knock on, or anything like that." And we have seen a lot of. Actually, a lot of positive results, you know, coming forward um, from those um, contests that the, the captains could add. But for the, for the, um, there was the one law as well, I think, where it was the free catch rule, where you can um, catch anywhere on the field with, from a kick and call a mark, RGC 22. So that basically, um, I'm not too much in, in favor of that as well. But um, the nine pointer, yeah, I, I do remember that the nine pointer was only in 2018 with a, we score for your own 22 with the um, try originated from there. And um, the seven-pointer was from your own half. Yeah, from your own half. And then obviously a normal um, five-pointer was from the opposition half. But yeah, not all in favor of it. And um, as a spectacle, it's great, I think, you know. Um, but also if you, if you get a team that basically wants to have a comeback and um, they're seven points up, they think it's over five minutes to go, then someone comes and score a try and they, takes the game away from them. You know, it's kind of unfair as well, but... I guess it's just part of the game, eh? Yeah. 
Um, and Richard, yourself on, uh, on these uh, views, I know that, uh, regarding the, the, the try scoring uh, or the points for a try sometimes creates a bit of uh, a worry or con creates a bit of confusion uh, as happened in one of the games this year. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. I think I've I mentioned that as well. Is that um, thing for me personally? I think the Varsity Cup is a it, it's it's been a great product, um, and Franchopino has brought in a lot of innovation at this uh, when they started it off, making it a spectacle uh, at the stadium as well. And I think um, sometimes they've pushed the boundaries too far to 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 try and remain innovative just for the sake of innovation. When um, if something's broke, you don't have to always fix it. Um, as you've mentioned now, so yeah, earlier this year we had a there was one game I know uh, UJ and Shimless where um, also as, they, as Angus pointed out a point of origin try where it actually created confusion where um, UJ was awarded the win after the game, but then going back on TV footage, the the game was the following day actually awarded to Shimless as the point of origin try was. Um, was was not scored from where from where it was initially dutched for. So I mean that creates a situation where a day after the game a score gets um, adjusted or rever uh, or reversed. I mean that's it, it 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 just doesn't it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth in that. So hopefully hopefully the Vossi Cup learned a lesson with that this year um, and will revert revert back to a normal point scoring system in the future because I think sometimes as you say. Innovation for the sake of innovation and and creating a false sense of, sense of security um, for a player that makes a step up to uh, to a professional stage from the varsity cup, it's um, it's going to create it, it's going to just create more problems than than create a spectacle going forward in the future. Yeah, um, and the second part of the the question there was uh, the eligibility of players. You know, we we know in the earlier years a lot of a lot of the guys who went on to become Springboks were re, or, already in the system. You know, I know Jean de Jong comes to to mind and a few other players from that 2000 and uh, was it 2008 side. You know, they really went on to do well in rugby. So yeah. I don't know uh, how you feel, Angus, with the with the change. Is that uh, was that for the better of the game that uh, the players in the in say in the provincial structure were are now basically excluded, and uh, if they're not a full time student, uh, and all the the regulations that go with uh, that. Hello, Angus. Can you hear us? Yeah. I can hear you now, yeah? Okay. Sorry. No problem. I was breaking uh, up a bit. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to know, um, do you, uh, regarding the players and their eligibility, uh, players that you think uh, that uh, have really come through through the system that weren't part of the system and are now, you know, getting an opportunity to play Curry Cup and Super Rugby. Uh, and I'm not talking about the 2008 class, I'm talking more of your 2017-18 class where the, the regulations were more stricter against who was being selected. I think I got what you were saying, yeah. So um yeah, like you mentioned our guys like Sean De Young was in the system, obviously became a Springbok, the first guy to do so. Um but also the guys that have just come from nowhere. Um one good example is Apiwe Dianti. Um he went from literally nowhere, played a bit of rugby at school and 
wanted to leave it at one stage, played for UJ at outside centre. I remember the games against Marty, so I used to always think, damn, this boy's going to cause trouble again today. But um, in saying that, you know, that was one good example of a guy that wasn't in a provincial structure, um, as a lot of the guys that play now um, are. So, yeah, for some guys, it does create opportunity. Um, Apu is a good example. He became a Springbok. Um, obviously, it's a controversy now around his um, yeah. substance use, apparent substance use. But um, apart from that, you know, there, there are obviously guys that will come from nowhere and actually make it. Um, so it, it's still good to have that sort of blend of some guys in the, in the provincial system and um, a response to have a played a couple of games with him um, and Duncan Sarl, his other wing partner, the Cheetahs now. So, yeah, the, the guys do tend to get out of... Um, you know, out of the um, varsity cup and you know make a good name for themselves you know some play career cup some play first division um some don't make it at all but at least you know they gave it a shot and um, i guess it probably won't work for everyone but at least there's opportunity created for some guys so i feel that's the positive about it yeah richard you got anything to add there yeah um i mean i still remember back in my days at Stellenbosch, uh, the uh, the marty's third team was literally the western province rugby institute that played yeah. uh, the guys in that in that say setup were playing as the Marty's third team on a normal club weekend. Uh, this was as as late as 2011. And I mean, if you look at the even the Blue Bulls team, uh, saying Blue Bulls, but the the Tux team of 2013 was made up of almost uh, primarily con- guys contracted to the Blue Bulls that weren't actually, as you say, full-time students at Tux. So the changes were needed in terms of giving guys more opportunities because it was more at one stage giving game time to guys that were really contracted to, to the unions. Um, going forward, um, with the new contracting model that um, that SA Rugby's been introduced, I think there's a bigger role to play for the Varsity Cup in terms of bringing those player of, of bringing more players through and having that eligibility uh, standards still set. Where I think unions can work with the work work uh, with the Varsity Cup teams quite uh, closely, uh, not fully involved but more in a sense of um, identifying talent that goes through the correct structures where you've got a guy that's, as you say, that, that is a student coming through the, the correct processes but and can still um, have a, as you say, a degree to fall back on when he comes to the end of his professional rugby career at the end of the day. Um, in terms of players, as I mean, another good example is um, uh, Marty's captain, uh, I forgot his uh, now I forgot his uh, his name. He played for Province last year. Um, you told Riz boy, but his name's now slipped my mind. I know Angus, Angus can help me there. One of the the Marty's loose forward who's uh, oh Christmas Saint. Uh, no, not Christmas Saint. The one loose forward. Uh, his name slips my mind. We'll get we'll probably get to that at the at a later stage. Um, so I mean, there's a lot. Of, sorry. This is last year's captain. Uh, yeah. Yeah, last year it was still Christian. Oh, it was still Christmas Saint. Okay, I think that's yeah, it's probably as I said, names to be my mind. But as you as you mentioned, there's still a lot of talent coming through the Varsity Cup system, even though it's not the uh, the, the unions having their academy boys playing in the sides anymore, which I think creates a lot more opportunities for players. But then going forward in terms of, as I, as I mentioned earlier, the contracting model that the unions have now have to adopt, they're going to have to rely on Varsity Cup more going forward, uh, I feel, in terms of identifying talent. All right. 
Um, moving on to the next uh, part of the, the the show in Varsity Cup, it's not just uh, eight teams that take part. They've actually got a Premier and a Second Division, and uh, then uh, they have like a bit of a playoff game for the team that's supposed to be relegated. Um, Angus, I know UCT, a very strong side normally and a past winner. They were sweating one year with uh, relegation. Um, do you think that relegation is needed? Uh, what about the, your, you know, your, your, your smaller universities? They've also got uh, club teams and stuff. And I know some of the teams that have come through have really done well and um, others have struggled. Yeah, actually, no problem with the relegation issue on back. Um, practically, if you look at uh, the recent side at Inter now, it's UWC. Yeah, they're still finding their feet. But um, a couple of years ago, Wits entered the, from the Shield to the Cup and they made the quarterfinals for the first time in, I think it was last year or the year before. So Wits is on and up. You know, they mid-table at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they've quite um, built a good squad so far. So there's no issue with, you know, teams coming up as well. I know CUT is a prime example. When they came into the competition, um, I think me and um, um, what's the other guy, Rieder, he spoke about it yesterday and, and said to me that um, in the quiz that he sent that you know there was one team that conceded 100 points and I thought it was um, CUT. Turns out it was UCT as well. But um, but like I said, you know when when CUT came into the comp, they conceded 80, 90, 100 points per week. And now they also like have a decent lock um, standing at the moment. So, yeah, it's always a bad idea for these teams to be relegated. Um, like Madiba has had a lot of controversy as well um, about two years ago um, with yeah. student protests and stuff like that. So, and in the end, I was actually happy they got relegated because all the, all the nonsense they caused for the competition as a whole. I thought to myself, you know, good for you guys. You know, it's good that you guys are out because you caused nonsense in the first place. And now you're actually being, being relegated, you know, to the um, lower league, to the Varsity Shield competition. So it's, it's not a bad, a bad thing for teams to get relegated and maybe just kind of learn their lesson in some sense. But also it, it doesn't do well for some players who might have stood out in the competition as well. And maybe now because the team is, has been relegated, you know, they'd get it up as well um, from other units not looking at them anymore. Yeah. Uh, Richard, yourself? I think uh, one thing that uh, Varsity Cup has got right in this sense is the um, the two-year structure that they've got. So your av the, the average your average performance over a two-year season, so um, on a cycle, then you get pr promotion and relegation on top of uh, based on those performances, and then um, so the ninth place team in Varsity Cup goes down, uh, Varsity Shield winner goes up, uh, eighth place plays off against um, second place in Shield. So I think in terms of there still being a bit of a gap, uh, as Angus pointed out quite nicely, Wits University has closed that gap quite well. I mean, they were in a playoff position now this season before um, before the lockdown. So, yeah, in terms of getting getting it right, I think we're to, to still have some time for development as well, but still giving somebody opportunity. The, the two-year average uh, system is working quite nicely well, uh, at the moment. And uh, as he said, a prime example of giving other universities a chance. I mean, CPUT were only um, admitted to the competition for the 2017 season. And um, they ended up actually winning the Shield last year, beating um, Madibas in the final. So, I mean, somebody that, that has, even in Western Province, they have no rugby blueprint really in the club structures as a university compared to the others. But yeah. still, they've... Yeah. They've been given the opportunity, and they've uh, shown what they what they're able to do. 
Yeah. So if we if we look back over the history that uh, that we've had now, and unfortunately this year's kind of uh, folded. Are there any? I know the, the the one final was probably the which was uh, UCT versus Poch is, is probably seen as the best final that we've had. Uh, are there any other uh, classic games that uh, viewers and listeners should know about that uh, that uh, that they might have missed? Angus. Angus. I think we've lost him there a bit. Angus, can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you guys now. Yeah, you're yeah. breaking up a bit. Yeah, sorry. I was asking, uh, the, the question was, any classic games that you, uh, of all the games that you've watched, is there any uh, classic game that sticks out? We all know about the, the come from behind win by UCT over Poch, but are there any other games that uh, you, you can remember that are on the classic, uh, can be classified as a classic match? Yeah, I would actually say the 2016 final, um, and I was in attendance as well. Um, so practically, Marty stopped the lock. You know, they looked unbeaten, unbeatable actually. And I remember just before the match, they played against Booker, where the match went into the 87th minute, I think. And um, practically before the match, uh, the fly half at the point in time, I can't get his name now, but he pulled out. So they played with their second choice fly half where I can start um, because he got injured in the warm-up, actually. And um, the, the, the match was quite tightly contested. I know it was 6-0 for a long time, and there was a penalty that um, the, the fly-off actually, a relative easy one he actually missed, which could have made it nine points up. Uh, the Martis wing at the point in time, I think his name is Brandon Asherwood. He, he was on his way to go score. In the act of scoring, he dropped the ball. And then, obviously... But, like, um, I think... There was a small from I think and I think it was a knock on the resulting into a scrum. And it was still it was full time already. So we were all like shouting, Yo, Marty's defense, defense. And I think two yellow cards later, Martin Redlinghays, who went on to play a game for the Stormers and is now playing in USA, um, he went out to go score the winner for um, you know, for for poker against all odds that no one actually expected them to. I can still remember, like, you could hear a pin drop when that happens, you know, and, you know, Rainer Smith, Smith kicked the conversion and, you know, at the end, Pucker <laughs> won the final, but... Yeah, Richard, we got a bit I, of a... I feel the it was quite classic, likely, putting it there, I watched the match, now, I would say that would make up a classic, you know, one bigger... All right, sorry. we got sorry, Richard. We got a uh, sorry, Angus. We got a bit of a broken line there. You broke up there right at the end, but we we we, get, we got what you were saying. Richard, is there any one or two games that you you can think of that uh, really stuck out? Um, well, definitely, in my opinion, uh, the first ever final. Uh, to give you a bit of a background there, UCT had topped the log. Uh, Marty's had um, snuck in in extra time against uh, Tux to make the final. But due to the uh, state of the ground at Grotteskir, uh, where no floodlights were available to, to yeah. actually show the final, the final was moved to Donnie Craven. But UCT still went into that as the, the favourites and were actually leading, uh, same going into um, injury time. 
where Marty's actually scored the winner to be champions. And they were actually, if you think about the underdogs on that day, and from that final, they went on to win the, the, the next two. So I think the first final as well, just in terms of um, pure tension and excitement around the stadium when they actually put UCT in, in, uh, at the end in injured time, also stands out to me as probably one of the great finals uh, for Wasty Cup. Yeah. Now, I remember that uh, UCT issue. I've played many times on the Green Mile under the, the floodlights there. And it, it's, uh, it's on a Friday night when it's wet and rainy. It's, it's not really ideal. Maybe early February when the, the sun's setting late, you can maybe get away with it. But I, I, I do remember it uh, being an issue for them. So the final, uh, the final sector of, the, of this uh, Varsity Cup chat, uh, chat is uh, looking at players that have come through that have really shone and I'm thinking uh, if we look at um, the Rugby World Cup that comes through one player that's really um, he, yes he was in the system but definitely played some Varsity Cup uh, and if I remember correctly was a UWC fan favourite uh, Herschel Yankees uh, that, that came through Angus I don't know is there any other players that have really gone on to shine that, you, that make you proud and uh, want to say that this is a, a, a great product from the Varsity Cup showpiece? Uh, yeah, I would actually say Damon the Islander. I don't think Damon was in the system at the point in time. He came from Milton High, who isn't actually a renowned rugby playing school. And we've lost Angus again. Um, he just played um, since, you know, 25 players. We got to play for the Stormers and obviously, you know, the Springboks ultimately. So, yeah, I think they, he was quite key to the Springboks' success in the World Cup. Um, as people give him a lot of flack, but um, people don't always see the work he puts in. So, I think that's one big success story that people might overlook, you know, generally spoken. Yeah. Um, so, we've got Herschel Yankees, Dam Allender, uh, Richard, do you want to add any players there? Maybe two or three extra that, that we, we should give recognition to? Uh, from that varsity system? Well, uh, if you look at purely from the system, uh, there's uh, three names that I would actually point out as guys that really came through the system. Uh, Trevor Nikani actually came through the, the Shield with um, CUT back in 2012. That's where he was identified. Um, another guy, Erges Neyman, actually came through the under-20s, the Varsity Cup Young Guns to, uh, tournament with Tux. That's where he got uh, identified through. And uh, the Yacher with uh, with Booker. That's how he got, got identified. So those are three, if I had to identify, purely through the system. Those are three that we, you could say was purely purely came through the system. Somebody that, re if you can identify, that really cut his teeth and um, actually um, molded himself as a player would be Opa Mahoshi by captaining Shimlas. That would be another mm. prime example of where the system actually worked to a player's favour and not, not actually just purely there, uh, there to get game time while already being contracted to a major union. Yeah, those are some great names that you listed there. Gents, I've held my, my views back a bit, but I'm going to add, add, add some of my, my thoughts on Varsity Cup. I think the original product that was provided uh, monopolising Monday night for Varsity Cup was a great idea and it's a great concept and I hope it goes on for many years. Uh, I'm really not a fan of the the rule changes and the 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 gimmicks that they bring into the game. I do appreciate. I do, I do think like the the pink shorts is a great concept for man of the match, 
and the, the vibe and the support and the, the side shows for the fans to bring the fans to the game, that's, that's pretty cool and uh, it creates a great atmosphere for, for everybody. But when it comes to the game, I think uh, if you want to provide players that are going on to play Super Rugby and uh, hopefully Springboks one day, I think they should be cutting their skills specifically with uh, the skills that are required to play Pro Rugby. So the, the changing of points for, uh, the points for tries and um, other aspects of the game, I think they can maybe be trialled trialed at the at the Corsace Rugby or the inter-hostel inter games. But when it comes to the, the, the big games, let's stick to, to the traditions as it'll only benefit the players in the long run. And this, it'll also help the supporters who aren't necessarily Varsity Cup fans understand what's going. You know, in, in the modern game today, there's a lot of people who struggle to, to, to follow when there's a law change. Now you want that same fan to watch uh, varsity Cup, where there's probably three or four different law changes, and that just creates more confusion, and you end up having results changed post game uh, after review and a protest, and then that kind of just breaks the spirit of the game and why we play it. Any last uh, words from you, Angus? No, I don't think. I think we covered basically everything. Um, just want to comment on the the, the thing about the vibe of Varsity Cup. I think the only cool thing is that actually draws the students is the fact that they play music throughout the I think throughout the whole match itself. So it creates that sort of party sense, you know. It has that sort of sevens vibe to it as well, where you, you kind of party because I've noticed sometimes even Martis will be on the losing side for any other team and the students will still be singing and dancing. So it's not all too serious. I think that's probably the one positive about it, you know. It's still sport, but it's still there to be enjoyed and not make too much of it. Um, so yeah, that's basically about it. Um, I love thanks that. for having me, guys. Yeah, I love that point that you made. You know, like uh, back to the essence of fans getting to the game and getting to hang around with mates and have a drink and cheer your team on, win or lose. I I, I really enjoy that point that you you brought in. And yourself, Richard. Um, uh, two points where I think um, that that's already in the uh, worked into the the product that they can actually um, further emphasize and actually build a much better product on. Um, okay, so firstly, off, off the topic, as you say, going back to the normal uh, point scoring system would be ideal and uh, dropping a lot of the, the silly rules, as we said, and keep and playing proper rugby. But uh, the first point is uh, tribalism, uh, where you've got the universities that's all got an identity playing against each other. So you, as, as, a, as a Stellenbosch student, you've got that identity of, of being a Marty. That's the trial you, you support. You don't support uh, only a rugby team. You're supporting a university going out. Same if if you were in UCT or at Tux. So that aspect is something that I think they can emphasize more: the tribalism, um, yeah. that sense of belonging, of being part of something, and because that's what drives a lot of non-rugby um, fans to the stadiums as as students. I mean, I remember back in my days, we had um, guys that uh, friends of mine that weren't that that wouldn't even sit through a, a Springbok Test match go to a Monday night varsity cup game just because it's it's Marty's playing, it's the university. And um, second point where I think SA rugby in conjunction with the varsity cup can start working on um, on actually also using it more as a, a, a tool to identify a lot of good players. It's something that the major league rugby 
has, has started implementing from next season onward. And that's actually what they're doing, a collegiate draft. Um, where guys that's good in, that's performing in their college system gets drafted into Major League Rugby. Um, there's no reason why SA Rugby, with the new contracting model, can't have a varsity cup draft at the end of the season to identify guys that are now finishing their degrees that actually, you know what, they, would, they can still have a professional rugby career for a good 10 years before moving into the corporate world identifying those guys as part of a Boston Cup draft into professional rugby. That's just my two cents on what I think they can further uh, work on to enhance the product more. Yeah, I love that uh, I love that last point of yours with uh, regards to the drafting of players in and spreading the talent around a little bit, especially for some youngster that, you know, was totally out but has now got, got that opportunity maybe to, to get a degree, maybe finish off his honours, uh, as he wishes and then get into a draft system and you know he has a lot of time to train and study and at the end you're very likely going to have a better uh, product of a, a person at the end of the at the end of the line that uh, once he finishes he, he can go into the business world or law world or uh, how he, how he, uh, in the area of expertise that he's uh, qualified in we know there's a lot of pro rugby players now in England and uh, that are doctors that are helping out um, so you know getting it that tertiary education is quite a priority and we you know a lot of players tend to ignore that especially if they get into the system quite early and you look at somebody like Hilton Lobbert who's at the end of his career now who's struggling and he's just one example of many who at the end of a pro career, I have got nothing to fall back on. So I think the, the Varsity Cup is definitely a stepping stone for where we can look at some players uh, going into becoming pros. But uh, at the end of their career, they'll definitely have some sort of um, exposure and experience and qualification that they, they can carry on. Thank you, gentlemen. We've come to the end of uh, tonight's uh, episode. I really appreciate you guys taking your, your time to join me and to discuss uh, Varsity Cup. Sweet. Thanks, Andre. Oh, thanks, Andre. It's good to be here. This episode was researched and hosted by Andre and Richard. Rugby Deconstructed, hosted on Anchor, available on Google Podcast, Apple, and Spotify. Music supplied by Anchor. Cover art by Andre. Produced by My Rugby Posts. This is a self-funded pod for the love of the game.